0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Your story is made up of defining moments. When you tell the story of your life, you don't go through every detail. You tell the people about the influential moments throughout your life. You share the things that have changed everything. Maybe it was the time you were cut from the team and you realized that life went on. Maybe it was the time you won the championship and you realized that life went on. Maybe it was your parents' divorce. The job opportunity that you thought really wasn't that big of a deal but led to an entire career. The birth of a child, a death that left a void, getting accepted to college, the moment you knew who you were going to marry. Your story is a collection of these defining moments. When I share the story of this church, I don't share that we had our first Sunday, and then our second Sunday, and then our third Sunday, and then our fourth Sunday. I share the defining moments. I share about launch Sunday. I was a mess. I kept just assuming that no one would ever show up. But I remember at 10 a.m., 30 minutes before church actually started, there were so many people in the lobby, we had to open up the gym doors so people could find their seats. During worship, I stood in the back of the room with my wife, and we just wept. We just cried because we had no idea why God was doing what he was doing. I remember February 4th of 2018, there were four inches of snow on the ground, and we didn't cancel church. We later learned that it's actually not our decision to keep the school open or not. We just convinced them to leave it open for us. The county was not happy with Collective that weekend. But we refused to cancel church that day because three of our friends from the Frederick Rescue Mission were getting baptized. They were the first baptisms we ever had in this school, and over 150 people braved the storm to celebrate those guys. I remember the Sunday we went to two services as a church. We had just gone over 200 people for the first time, and we decided that we wanted to be bold and create more space for people to bump into Jesus. And for weeks leading up to it, we didn't really know what to expect. In fact, it kind of felt like launch day all over again. But in October of 2018, we had two services and both of them were full. There are so many more defining moments that I could share. In fact, some of you could share what those defining moments were for you when it comes to this church. When talking about defining moments, some of them you don't have any control over. You get fired, something bad happens, something good happens to you. But sometimes you can be fortunate enough to decide whether or not you are going to have a defining moment. And that's what we get to do today. Today could be a defining moment in the life of this church. You see, today is Commitment Sunday, where we are asking everyone who calls Collective their church home to make a commitment at the end of service as to what you can give above your normal giving so that we can move into our own leased space. We believe that God is calling us to find our own 24 seven location because we're outgrowing this school and we need to create space for more people to experience the freedom that Jesus offers. So I'm gonna teach through a story today about Jesus that's pretty well known. And I wanna teach through it because a little boy gave everything he had, Jesus did something amazing by multiplying it, and a ton of people had a defining moment when they realized who Jesus really was. By the way, if you are a first time guest with us today, I know this might sound weird, but I think this is a great first Sunday for you to be at Collective. You're gonna see how excited we are about church, And what God is doing. You're going to see people who are passionately pursuing Jesus and taking steps of bold faith so this city can know that Jesus offers grace and truth. You're going to see that life change is possible and no matter where you are in your life or in your faith or in your pain, Jesus can bring new life. Because that's what today is all about. It isn't about us moving on up and getting into a new space. It's about a group of messed up and broken people who are experiencing the life that Jesus offers us and not wanting to keep it for ourselves. And I think some of you who are new probably came because you've seen some of the videos that we've posted on Facebook over the last three weeks. The last time I checked, there were over 16,000 views on those videos. Those stories are what this church is all about. We are a bunch of people who are changed by Jesus and who Jesus is still changing. So please know that if you are a first-time guest, you can completely, completely ignore the commitments cards that are on your seat. But please don't ignore what God is doing in this church. We're glad that you're here with us today, but we hope to see you again next week. Now let's get to Jesus. Now let me set up this story for you. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was his forerunner in ministry and one of his closest friends. But John the Baptist gets executed because he, because he called out King Herod for living immorally. And this crushes Jesus. Jesus loved John. They were friends. They were family. And so Jesus decides that he wants to be alone and have some time away from people so that he can mourn. And that's exactly what Jesus tried to do, but it doesn't actually go the way that he expected. Here's how the story starts in Mark 6. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So Jesus and his disciples are just simply trying to get some privacy, but a crowd of people see him and they run to the other side of the lake. They actually beat him to the other side of the lake before he gets there. The best example of this I can give is trying to go to the bathroom when you have small children. All you want is some peace and quiet, but then they start sticking their tiny little hands under the door and asking what you're doing, refusing to even give you a moment to yourself. And I imagine that's what it felt like for Jesus. He's just trying to have some time. He's just trying to get to the other side of the lake, and people are running to try and beat him to shore. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now this word compassion that's used is actually a really gentle translation of that word. In the Greek language, which is what the New Testament was written in, this word is actually splagna. Splagna literally refers to your guts. It's when you feel compassion in your stomach. When someone else's pain goes from your head to your heart, you see it and then you feel it, and then you know you have to do something about it. Jesus is telling us, compassion is not just a feeling, it's something that you do. You see, Jesus' cousin just got executed, and he wants to be away from people, which is completely understandable. But then he sees people who are lost. He sees people without a purpose. He sees people who are longing for hope, and he gets this feeling in his gut. And although he wants to be alone, he thinks, I just have to do something. That same feeling is why we're doing this campaign. It's because of compassion. We felt it over the past three weeks as we've heard stories of people whose lives have been changed through Jesus while being a part of this church. Chris and Maggie shared about how Jesus has restored their marriage and that wouldn't have happened without a church full of grace and a community that loves them. Luke and Javeria shared about being burned by the church and that left them struggling with church and God but then they stumbled upon a church called Collective and they have a new meaning for what community looks like. Chris and Chelsea shared last week about their bus crash moment, which was literally a bus crash that brought their entire life to a halt. And through trusting God, being resilient, and having a church that cared for them, they fought to put the pieces of their life back together. And we feel this splagna, This burden and compassion because we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe he will guide your steps. We believe he is the direction that you've been looking for. And we believe that following him results in the best life every time. And none of these stories that we shared were, I met Jesus and now my life is perfect. They were all stories about how Jesus has helped them through the pain and brokenness of life if you got to see these, whether it was here or online, you saw and you know these stories were amazing. I cried watching each one of these videos because it's so humbling to see what God is doing in this church. It's so humbling to witness life change. It's so humbling to know that we, as a community, have been able to play a small part in their lives. But here's what I've realized. There are a lot of people in Maryland who don't have stories to share. There are millions of stories without resolution, without a turning point, without hope, There are people whose marriages are falling apart. People who don't have a church community to pick them up when they fall. People who don't have a safe place to pick up the pieces of their life and push forward. People who don't have a story to share. And that's why we're doing this campaign. The truth is that we believe the six people who shared their stories in this series are just foreshadowing what's to come. Not just a year from now or two years from now, although I'm sure it will happen. We believe God wants to do it again and again and again starting today. We believe that Jesus wants to set you free today. That the burden you came in carrying, he wants to take off of you today. That the peace you've been searching for can be available today. That the rest you've been needing can be yours today. So we feel a burden to take those things to people who don't have a turning point in their story yet. And that burden is splagna. You feel it in your gut. It's what Jesus felt. And that's what we want to feel as well. Verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowns away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages, buy something to eat, and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. Now, imagine going to Jesus and, like, telling him, hey, hey, we've had this problem. And his response is, do it. Like, you figure it out. Right? I know for me, like, I would panic, and that's exactly what the disciples did. They panic. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. I'm going to say all these people, we know that there were thousands of people there. In fact, it says later in the story that there were 5,000 men and their families and conservative estimates believe there were probably 15,000 people or more in attendance that day. At Collective, we want to feed more people. And I'm not talking about physically, although that's something that we try to do. I'm talking about spiritually feeding people. The population of Maryland is just over 6 million people according to the U.S. Census. According to the Pew Forum study on religion, 18% of Maryland attends an evangelical church. That means there are 5.1 million people who are hungry. And Jesus says, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. He also says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. So here's the thing. We believe that Jesus offers life. And we want to feed people the bread of life. We want to see people get baptized. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see grief comforted. We want to see loneliness shattered because we're not merely giving to a campaign today. We are changing people's eternities today. That's what this is all about. That's what it's been about since the beginning of Collective, showing people that new life is available through Jesus. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. 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 Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. Son of the Living God. Son of the living God. The Son of the, son of of the Living God. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. My Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. My Savior. And my Savior. And my Savior. Upon that confession of faith, and i baptizing baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. all of the life change that we've celebrated as a church. And while we've loved celebrating every single baptism and every single next step and every single moment of faith, we know that the best is yet to come because there are 5.1 million people in Maryland who are trying to tell their story, but there isn't an ending. There's no resolution. There's no hope. And instead of them being able to say what God has done in their life, they say, I don't know what else to do. So we wanna feed people spiritually. We trust Jesus' vision of seeking and saving the lost. We trust Jesus when he said, if you're tired or worn out or burned out on religion, come to me and you'll find real rest. We trust that grace and truth are available. And we know that there are more stories that need to be told and we're gonna do whatever it takes as a church to help people share them. Back to the story. So the disciples say, we don't have enough food. And Jesus answers. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Piecing the other versions of this story together that we get in the three biographies of Jesus, we know that a disciple named Andrew found a young boy in the crowd who had five pieces of bread and two fish. And Andrew brings the boy to Jesus, and this boy gives willingly. And this is really important. This is actually essential to the campaign, is that you give Willingly. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So I wanna give you two reasons why you should not give to this campaign today. So you heard me right, here are two reasons why you should not give to this campaign. Number one, if your spouse is not on board, do not give. We have a ton of people here who are single and a lot of people who are married And Paul teaches that when we are married, we should submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus. If you disagree about what to give, you should submit in humility to your spouse and let your humility be an example of the humility of Jesus. So if your spouse doesn't want you to give anything at all, don't give anything at all. If you and your spouse disagree on what total to give, just give the lower amount. We don't want to sacrifice your marriage on the altar of this campaign. We're doing this campaign to bring marriages together not split them apart. Number two, if you are giving to receive God's love, do not give. This is actually the manifestation of two different ideas, ideas, guilt and pride. Guilt is the attitude that says, God won't love me unless I give more. See, if you're afraid that if you don't commit a certain amount that God's gonna love you less or think you are a worse person, I don't want you to give anything. If you're giving out of guilt, you need to be reminded of God's grace and that his love for you is unconditional. So if that's you, I'd rather you not give and go home with a reminder that God loves you the exact same even after you've committed nothing. Pride is the attitude that says God is going to love me more when I give more. And here's the thing, I don't think anybody here is actually literally thinking if I give more, God will love me more. But if giving more makes you puff out your chest because of how much you gave— That really means you think you're a better person because you gave, which really means that you don't understand that God's grace is free, which means you're giving out of pride. So if that's you, I'd rather you not give anything, so you can go home reminded that I gave nothing, but God loves me anyways. Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 39, Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass, So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. So Jesus performs a miracle, and he multiplies it. And afterward... The disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, a total of 5,000 men, and their families were fed. Now, this is an incredible story. It's one of Jesus's most famous miracles. And the whole point of this miracle is to reveal that Jesus is God. That's it. The boy who gave the lunch when he went home, he didn't say to his mom, Mom, guess what I did today? I fed all these people. Right? He said, Mom, guess what I saw Jesus do today? The point of the miracle was to reveal that Jesus is God. And what's really powerful about this story is that that happened because of one person's generosity. Because one person was generous, 15,000 people were fed and had a defining moment where they realized Jesus is God. It came came together all because one person who trusted what Jesus could do. And if our church is anything like this miracle, Jesus is going to do something so big with the sacrifice of a few. And the whole point of us doing this campaign is to reveal that Jesus is God, who alone can give grace. So right now, what I want you to do is you came in on your seats. There's a commitment card. I want you to grab that commitment card right now. Now, don't fill it out. I joked about this last week. If you're an extrovert, you've already filled it out. That's fine. Um, But what I want to do is I want to walk you through this. And the thing is, after the sermon, we're going to give you some time to fill this out. So you'll look on this card, and you'll notice that there's an area for your personal information, uh, even if you've given your information to us before, you know that we have it, we'd still love for you to fill this out so we can check it with our database. And the reason for that is this 11-month campaign, uh, over the that course of that, we're going to continue to follow up with you. So we want to make sure that you have the updates and information that you need. Now I'm going to walk you through line by line. It says, "Kickoff gift. This is what you are giving today. We've been challenging every person who calls collective their church home to write the biggest check they've ever written for this church. And I know some of you have already given online to this campaign, so make sure you write that number in that blank. But if you're also giving today, those numbers get added together and that's your kickoff gift. The second blank says commitment. And this can be thought of a few different ways. This is what you are giving weekly or monthly over the next 11 months to this campaign that's above and beyond your normal giving. And then you'll see on the third one, there's actually a non-cash gifts op- option. What we'd like for you to do, if you're doing that route, write the estimated value of it. And at the very bottom, we want you to total it all together. After the sermon, when you're done filling this out, what we want you to do is we want you to place this commitment card inside of the envelope that's also on your seat. And if you have a kickoff gift today, go ahead and put that in there as well. If you're choosing to write a check, and this is true for today or throughout the next 11 months, what we want you to do is write the Frederick that God sees in the memo. Now, if you have a kickoff gift and a normal offering today, make sure you put your kickoff gift in the envelope and your normal offering can just be put in the gray baskets like usual. And after church, what you can do is you can drop off your envelope in the gray baskets that are at the double doors on your way out of the gym. Now, if you're choosing not to give to this campaign, but you feel nervous about not putting anything in the baskets, what we want you to do is we actually just want you to take your commitment card, put it in that envelope and drop it off in that basket anyways. We don't want you to feel any pressure, or we don't want you to feel like people are watching you and wondering if you're dropping something in the baskets. Today, we'll also be emailing out a commitment card, so if you aren't quite sure, you're not quite ready for it, maybe you haven't talked to your spouse yet, maybe there's a disagreement, maybe at the end of the day you realize that you're not being bold enough, you'll get an email this evening with the opportunity to fill out a connection card or a commitment card and give. And then on December 1st, so not next weekend, December 1st, we'll make the official announcement about the total. And we know that means you guys got to be on the edge of your seats for two weeks. This is intentional. It gives us two weeks to process and figure everything out. Now, uh, you can fill it out once I'm done preaching. We'll give you guys a few minutes. But I want to say one more thing about this miracle. In the story, the boy came to Jesus with a bagged lunch in his hand. He came with five loaves of bread and two fish. But what he really had in his hand was faith. This is what he was giving Jesus. It was his faith. And so I want to address a few different people in this room today. Some of you already follow Jesus. You're sold out to Jesus. You give, you serve, you talk to your friends about what God is doing in your life. You're real with other people. You have authentic community. Today is just another chance for you to say, Jesus, I'm still running towards you. I'm still on board. I'm still going to continue what I've already been doing, which is trusting you. Now there are some of you where that used to be your story. You used to be into the whole Jesus thing and the whole church thing, but then something happened. You were hurt by the church or the church you were a part of lost its vision. So what ended up happening is that you walked away from it all, but somehow you found yourself at collective. And you sit in here and you don't really want anybody to know who you are because you're nervous about getting burned again, right? You're just not sure what to do. Maybe today is the day where you say, God, I'm gonna take a step of faith I'm nervous, I'm not sure how it's gonna turn out because it didn't turn out the way that I needed it to last time, but God, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm gonna show you my faith. And then there's a third category of people here that have never followed Jesus at all, but you're intrigued. Maybe your spouse dragged you here, maybe it was a coworker who just wouldn't shut up about it so you came to pacify them, but you've been coming every month or maybe every single week, and this is your chance to say, God, I wanna take a step toward you. I want to take a step of faith and see what you've got in store for me. So what I really think today is, is that wherever you are on your spiritual journey, what you hold in your head, that commitment card, is faith. And to be honest, my commitment card makes me nervous. It does. But when I try to talk myself out of committing to the amount that my wife and I have decided, I think back to what God has done in this church and in my life when we've been bold and taken a risk in our faith. So I can accurately say to God, here is my faith Today, today we are taking a risk. So let's give God what we've got and watch him do something miraculous with it. And before we commit, I want to say one more thing. We read about the beginning of the church in the book of Acts in the Bible. In Acts 17, the church is growing rapidly. People are putting their faith in Jesus and getting baptized. Communities are taking care of each other. The church is irresistible. And Jesus' disciples are telling everyone they encounter about Jesus and the hope that He offers, the grace that He offers, the love that He offers. In Acts 17:6, it says this: "These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also." I love that phrase. "These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I want to be a part of a church that turns the world upside down." I want, when we open a new location for people in Frederick to say, those people from Collective are here to turn the world upside down. I want to turn the world upside down. And when you think about it, I think you do too. See, if normal is hiding in isolation, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is dull and boring and no risk, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is divorce or marriage where you exist just as roommates, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is church being perceived as irrelevant and judgmental, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is using arrogance to cover insecurities, if normal is perpetuating the cycle of hurt that was passed down to you, if normal is fake, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is deciding which payment to skip this month, I wanna turn the world upside down. If normal is racism and systemic poverty, I wanna turn the world upside down. If normal is a church that's content and satisfied and passive, I wanna turn the world upside down. If normal is life where you just go through the motions every single day, I wanna turn the world upside down. If normal is abuse and taking advantage of people, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is not knowing that you can have your slate wiped clean for free and you can break the bondage of guilt and shame forever through a man named Jesus, I wanna turn the world upside down down. If normal is playing church, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is not digging a ditch in the middle of the desert because you don't think God can make it rain and do something he's never done before or you've never seen before in your life, I want to turn the world upside down. If normal is people not knowing grace, not knowing amazing, offensive, life-changing grace, I want to turn the world upside down. I want to turn the world upside down. And the reason why you are here today is because you do too. So collective, let's do this. Let's turn the world upside down. Let's pray. God, we want to change this city forever. God, we, we want to be able to look back 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now and know that there are more people in this county, in this state, that know you, that have said yes to your grace, that experienced your freedom because of this church, God, because of this moment. God, God, we just pray as we get ready to to commit, God, that we can be bold, God, that we're not afraid of what it means financially for us, but God, we're looking for the 5.1 million people in our state who do not have stories that they can share right now. God, and we're saying that we're going after them. God, that we're going to find them and we're going to bring them to you. So God, I pray as we take the next few minutes to wrestle with this, to pray about this, but ultimately to take our faith another step forward and trust you, God, I pray we do it boldly. God, help us be a church that turns the world upside down. God, help us be a church that turns the city upside down. Help us be a church that turns the state upside down. God, ultimately, help us be a group of people that do church in such a way that it's irresistible, and we get to experience life change every single day. Marriage is restored, communities built, poverty ceased. God, anything you want us to do, we'll do it. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.